can. Is that right? And, uh, but, um, well, how's everybody doing today? You doing okay? Oh, you're a good looking group of people. And I'm just so glad you came. And uh, I'm so glad Jesus is Lord. How about you? Aren't you glad about that? Well, let's have a word of prayer and then we'll get into the word of God. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your presence here today. As we share this word with your people, we trust that the spirit of God will speak to them through this this word, the, the word of God, the Bible, just what it is that the spirit of God is saying to us today. We trust that it'll encourage us and, uh, and, and help us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hey, this is a friendly family. Church, greet a couple of people around you. Love on them and then you can be seated. God bless you. Okay. All right. Let's open our Bibles today to Acts, the 16th chapter. And as you turn to Acts, the 16th chapter, um, of course, Paul and Silas had been doing the work of the Lord and they wound up in prison. Do you know that when you do the work of the Lord, you won't always be accoladed, but sometimes, you know, persecution will come. Oft times it will. And they wound up in prison. And does anybody know what they were doing at the midnight hour, Paul and Silas? They were praising God, singing hymns to him, to, to the Lord, you know. And... Uh, of course, there was an earthquake, you know, and the Lord released them from their bonds and, and their shackles. And, and the, the head jailer in verse 30, Acts 16 and 30, brings them out and said, Sirs, so the head jailer asked this of Paul and Silas, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? You know, that's the question, isn't it? That's the question. What must I do to be saved? So they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Of course, that word believe doesn't mean a mental assent, just accepting Jesus mentally, but it means a heart sellout to him. And when you you repent of your sins and sell out to Jesus and believe on him with all of your heart, you make connection with salvation. And... uh, So that's what you have to do to be saved. Now, Romans, the 10th chapter and the 9th verse, Romans, the 10th chapter and the 9th verse says this. If you want to turn there, you you certainly would welcome you to. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and what? And believe where? In In your heart that God's raised him from the dead, you will be saved see so when you believe in your heart with a that's with a repentant heart you know what i mean by that that you've turned from your old ways and with all of your heart you believe on jesus sell out to him and confess him with your mouth confess him as lord what happens you get saved don't you you tap into salvation 
Now, Ephesians 2, verse 8. Ephesians 2, verse 8. Let's go there. Ephesians 2, verse 8. Notice what the Bible says here. Ephesians 2, verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. And we need to emphasize that, you know, we don't get saved by our good works. We get saved by faith in the Lord Jesus. And, and salvation is a free gift. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Notice that, for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Should a Christian be full of good works? Yes. Do those good works save you? No. But faith in Jesus saves you, but as a result of being saved, then you're a new creation in Christ and you should be full of good works. So we read those scriptures, went through them to title this message, The Salvation Act. The Salvation Act. Of course, we've seen that, that the act of salvation happens when someone with a repentant heart turns from their old ways, turns to Jesus, places their faith in him, confesses him as Lord, and that salvation act goes into operation and the the sinner becomes saved. They become a Christian. Now they're going to miss hell. They're going to make heaven. That's the salvation act. But I said all that to, to get to this. Do you know that there are people who are saved who don't always act like they are. Now, do you know that's the truth, isn't it? I mean, I, I've, I've repented of my sins. I've placed my faith in the Lord Jesus. According to the word of God, I'm saved. But you know what? I haven't always acted like I'm saved. Have you? Have you always acted saved? How many of you will be along with me this morning and confess that you've not always acted saved? See, there are those people that are really saved. They've really, they love the Lord. They've placed their faith in him. They're trusting in him, but they don't always act saved. And then there's another group of people who act like they're saved, but they're not. They act like they're saved, but they're not. A good example of this, these two extremes here are found in Luke 18, verse 10. Let's, let's go there, Luke 18, verse 10. Jesus is speaking here and he says this, in Luke 18, 10, he says, two men went up to the temple to pray. One, a Pharisee. Now, a Pharisee was a, a religious person. They, they were the religious elite, the, the leaders, if you will, you know, among the most, quote unquote, holy people, you know. And, and notice it says here, and the other was a, what, a tax collector. And, and a tax collector in the, in the New Testament times, typically they were crooked. They were crooks. They didn't act saved. So here you have a Pharisee who 
acts saved, and you have a tax collector who typically didn't act saved, okay? But notice in verse 11, the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. Did you know it's possible to pray with yourself and God not even hear you? And here's this person that has this title and is a Pharisee and all of that. And he's praying with himself. And he's, notice what he says. Notice why God isn't listening. He says, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. Well, that's good, isn't it? That's something religious and holy. I give tithes of all I possess. Was this guy a tither? Sure he was. And the tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, hit, his, hit himself in the chest and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Now notice what Jesus says. He says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Notice here, you had a Pharisee who, 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 who could he pray, he could say the right words and did a lot of the right things, but he wasn't justified, was he? He acted saved, but he never tapped into the salvation power of the Lord Jesus. And here you have this other guy who's pretty much a crook, according to what I've studied about tax collectors in New Testament days, and uh, he didn't always act saved, but he humbled himself and he placed his faith in the Lord Jesus, it's clear, and faith in God, and he got saved. So the point here that I'm trying to make is that you have those people who are saved who don't always act like they are. And you have others who act like they're saved but that's just all it is. It's an act. And they're really not saved and that's a dangerous thing. Let's look at some examples of each. I gave you two extremes here. But first of all, just briefly, a few, few people in the Bible who, who were saved, but they didn't always act like they were. In, in the entirety of the Old Testament, the one person that we know is saved, but didn't always act like he was, is David. Remember King David? How many of you would agree with me that, that he's, he's a saved man? He's in heaven right now. No question about it. But you know, he didn't always act like he was saved. There was a day that he went over and looked over and saw Bathsheba bathing or something or other. Is that right? Did you know that was the pornography of his day? Do you know I'm not condoning pornography, but you know that was the pornography of his day. He wasn't acting saved, was he? Huh? And not only that, he didn't stop there, but the next thing you know, he committed adultery with her, didn't he? That's, he's not acting saved, is he? And then the next thing you know, he has her husband, Uriah, put on the front lines of battle. So he's an accessory to murder, isn't he? How many of you know none of those things are good things? Pornography, adultery, murder. He wasn't always acting saved, was he? But he had tapped into the salvation power of God. Now, when that was pointed out to him, what did he do? He repented, didn't he? 
And with tears in his eyes, he repented. He didn't blame anybody but himself. And he said, against you, Lord, and you only have I sinned. And I believe we have Psalm 51, I believe it is, where he, where he cries out in repentance. See, there you have an example of somebody that was saved and didn't always act like he was. How many of you know the disciples? You remember the 12 disciples? Now, how many of them do you think were really ultimately saved? There's 11 of them, right? Because we know, we know Judas was not a saved man, was he? Now, there's a man that goes right in with his sermon. He walked with Jesus, didn't he, for his ministry, three and a half years. He walked with Jesus. And if you wouldn't know the behind the scenes, you would think Judas was a saved man, wouldn't you? But we know that he wasn't. Is it possible to walk right alongside Jesus for three and a half years and die and go to hell? Sure it is. Because see, Judas never tapped into the saving grace of the Lord Jesus. His heart wasn't right. Yet he did some of the right things. He did a lot of the right things. There were some things he didn't do that, were, that, you know, that he did that were, was wrong, Judas. But ultimately, Judas wasn't, wasn't a saved individual. But he acted, he, a lot of the time, he acted saved. But we know that 11 out of the 12 disciples, they were saved men, right? But you know, they didn't always act saved. Notice if you would mark the ninth chapter in the 33rd verse. I'm gonna read this in the NIV uh, uh, Bible, New International Version. It'll be on the screen. Mark nine thirty-three. notice this. They came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, Jesus was in the house, he asked them, now notice Jesus asked these disciples, his disciples, he said, what were you arguing about on the road? Now you know arguing with one another, how many of you know that we shouldn't be arguing with one another, should we? That's something that saved people shouldn't do. But here you have saved men and what are they doing? They're arguing and what are they arguing about? Well, actually... They were arguing about, verse 34 tells us, they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the what? The greatest. Can you imagine Jesus' disciples arguing amongst themselves about who is the greatest? And to the point that when Jesus asked them about it, why do you think they kept quiet? Why do you think they didn't want to answer his question? Because they were ashamed. They knew they, were wrong. they knew they weren't acting right. So do we have saved people that aren't acting saved? Do you know this wasn't the only time they did this? Do you know they did this more than once on a couple of occasions? And, and there's another passage that talks about that they got into strife. There was strife among Jesus' own disciples. Strife, horrible, you know, strife. There's no good kind of strife. Did you know that? It's all bad. And there was strife and contention between them because they were arguing about who was going to be the greatest. See, it's possible for saved people to not always act saved. Let's center in on Peter for just a moment. Peter, you remember Peter? Did he ever tell Jesus, I'm going to be with you to the end? I'll never leave you nor forsake you, Jesus. Did he ever tell him something along those lines? I'll die with you, remember that? And it wasn't too long, G, uh, Peter, Peter was what? He was cursing? That's certainly not what a saved person would do. He wasn't acting saved and he denied Jesus how many times? Three times. 
So he didn't act saved all the time, did he? And I'll just throw in about Thomas. Remember Thomas? He's known as Doubting Thomas. He was also the first one to call Jesus my Lord and my God, right? But did you know there was a time that Thomas talked behind Jesus' back? Can you imagine talking behind Jesus' back? Remember when, when they brought word to Jesus that Lazarus had, had, was dead and, and, and Jesus was going to eventually go on over to, to that place and the disciples said, you know, Lord, you don't want to go over there. They're, they're seeking to stone you and kill you. Remember that? And Jesus made the decision finally to go on over to that area and remember what Thomas, the Bible says, Thomas behind Jesus' back said, well, well, we, we'll go on over there with him and die with him. We'll just go die with him. Now, he was talking, you know, we shouldn't talk behind people's back, should we? Is that right? How many of you know we shouldn't talk behind people's back? No, we shouldn't. But you see, here you have Thomas, a saved person, not acting like he's saved. Now, Peter, we just mentioned to you that that he denied Christ, you know, and, and cursed and all that. And you say, well, yeah, pastor, but that, you know, he was acting that way before Jesus was raised from the dead and Peter hadn't been born again yet. He hadn't been empowered with the the spirit yet on the day of Pentecost. Uh, Pastor, after all, after he really got born again and filled with the spirit, I'm sure he never acted out of line, Peter. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. Galatians 2 verse 11, let's go there. Galatians 2 verse 11. Galatians 2 verse 11. The Apostle Paul is writing here and he says this. He says, this is New King James Version. Now when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, he would uh, eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him. Is it possible for a man named Peter who had faith in the Lord Jesus and was filled with the Holy Spirit and preached the first message after the resurrection of Jesus, is it possible for him to be a hypocrite? Is that what the Bible just said? What what am I trying to say? That here you have a saved man, Peter, He didn't always act saved, did he? But it kind of makes me feel better, you know. How about you? We should always act saved. I wish I could always act saved all the time. By the power of the Spirit, I'm getting better. How about you? Was Peter ever hypocritical? And even Barnabas, look at verse 13 on on in there. Even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. Barnabas, the son of encouragement, the saved man if there ever was one. (laughs) He even got caught up in it. And then verse 14, if it can even get worse, he says they were not always straightforward about what? The truth of the gospel. Wow. Isn't that something? So what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that there are people that are really saved that don't always act saved. They should, we all should, but don't always. Now, of course you say, yeah, but but, uh, now here you got Paul withstanding Peter to his face. 
Now, Paul, he always acts saved, didn't he? After he got saved, he always acted saved. Well, look at Acts, the 15th chapter, and the 36th verse. Acts 15, 36, going to read this in NIV. Acts 15, 36. Let's see if Paul always acted saved. Acts 15, 36. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the brothers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark with them, but Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. Now look at verse 39. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Could you imagine standing out there and watching Paul, who God used to write nearly two-thirds of the New Testament, to watch Paul and Barnabas having a knockdown, drag-out argument? Wouldn't that have been something? Should they have been arguing? No. Does God condone their arguing? No. Should we be arguers? No. Should we yell and scream at one another? No. But here you got two of the most saved men in the Bible and they had such a sharp disagreement that they parted, they what, they what? They, they parted company. So you have saved men not always acting saved. Now then we picked on the men, let's pick on the ladies. Go to Philippians 4, 4 verse 2. Now I'm gonna read this in the New Living Translation, Philippians 4, 2. They'll have it on the screen. There was two ladies, Euodia and Suntuke, is how you say her name, Suntuke. Um, and notice here in Philippians 4, 2, I'm gonna read this in the New Living Translation. It should be on the screen for you. Paul writes and he says, I appeal to you. Euodia and Suntuke, that's how you say that. Please, because you belong to the Lord, are these saved people? Settle your disagreement. The Message Bible, so did they have a, we'll get to that in a minute. Did they have a, did they have a disagreement, these two ladies? And Paul tells them, settle it. I notice he didn't mention what happened between him and Barnabas. You need to realize these are people, yes, people used of God, but they're just as human as you or me. Did these two ladies, and they're two ladies, they had a disagreement, didn't they? Actually, Paul did speak well of Barnabas later on. How many of you know Christians, when they disagree, ought to get back where sometime they bury the hatchet? Is that right? And look here in the Message Bible, Philippians 4.2, that version says, I urge Yodia and Suntuke to iron out their differences and make up. God doesn't want his children holding grudges. So were they holding grudges? Evidently. And so... I went through those examples just to show you that there are people who are saved, they're Christians. They love the Lord, they have faith in Jesus, but they don't always act saved. And you know, I'd have to put myself on that list. I wish I always did act saved, but I don't always do. You can, all you have to do is ask my wife and she'll confirm that, won't you, honey? Now, she always acts saved. 
But you know what? We are supposed to grow up in the things of God. You know, my experience is that a lot of people, when they get sinners, when they get saved and become Christians, they stay at the babyhood. You know, the Bible talks about being a baby Christian and then growing and being mature. So many just stay at the babyhood stage. They just stay babies, spiritual babies, all their, their physical lives here on the earth. You know, we need to grow up and bury the hatchet and put grudges away and, and quit being disagreeable, you know, and... But are there people that are saved that don't always act saved? And one more time, how many of you will put your name on that list besides me? Okay. Now, let's look at the other group. Those who act saved but are not. Actually, this is the most more dangerous thing that I want to talk about. Matthew 7, verse 21. Let's go there. Matthew 7, verse 21. Notice what the Bible says here, Matthew 7, verse 21. Jesus says this. This is back in the New King James Version. Matthew seven twenty one. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders or many wonderful works in your name. And then I'll declare to them, I what? I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. You who practice lawlessness. The key word there being practice. You see, if you look at Paul and Barnabas, they got into an argument, but I don't see them always arguing and, and, and being argumentative people. They're human, they made a mistake. You understand? Like David, he, you know, he, he did something wrong there with Bathsheba, but I don't see him continuing to practice that wrongdoing. See, and, and, and what the Lord is talking about here is that people that... You know, they do these many wonderful deeds and wonderful works publicly where they can be seen of men, but behind the scenes, they never really have a relationship with the Lord Jesus. They're not really saved. That act of salvation in their heart never took place. Therefore, the acts of salvation that they do outwardly for people to see, that's just what it is. It's an act. What did these people do? They prophesied in the name of the Lord. They cast out demons in, in, in the name of the Lord. They did many wonders or many wonderful works in the name of the Lord. They even called on the name of the Lord, but they're lost. You know what? They never really repented of their sins. They never placed their faith in the Lord Jesus. They never had that act of salvation take place in their heart. They did, they did some good things, but they died, missed it, went to hell. Isn't that sad? Look at Matthew 23, verse 15. Matthew 23, verse 15. New International Version. Matthew 23, verse 15. Notice this. Jesus says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. Religious leaders there. Teacher, the teachers of the law, the, the religious, the Pharisees, the religious group of, you know, and what does he call them? He says they're hypocrites. And then he says, you see, they're active. Now watch this. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert. Well, that's something that would be good to do to convert somebody, get them converted. 
But he says, you travel over land and sea to win a single convert. And when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as you are. That's pretty strong talk, isn't it? That's Jesus talking there. And he's talking to these religious leaders, teachers of the law. And he said, you know, you're doing all this, something that is a good thing to do. But you see, they were not saved people doing something a saved person would do, but not save themselves. And where do they wind up when they wind up in hell, don't they? Look at Ephesians 8 and 10. Look at Ephesians, I'm sorry, not Ephesians, Ecclesiastes. Go to the Old Testament. And I want to show you something here. I really want you to listen carefully now. I want you to listen very carefully now. Ecclesiastes 8 and 10. Have you found that in the Old Testament? Ecclesiastes 8 and 10. Then I saw the wicked buried who had come and gone from the place of holiness. We'll just, we'll just say that's the, the church, the local church. And they were forgotten in the city where they had so done. What is that telling us? That's telling us that there's people that come to church on Sundays. They come to church on Sundays. And they come to church on Sundays and they may do it their entire life, but one day they die and they go to hell. Now, is coming to church a good thing? Yes. Sure it is. It's a good thing. Coming and going from the place of the holy, coming and going from church. That's a good thing to do. But you see, if that's all you have, you have nothing. Did you hear what I just said? Because you see, there's people that come and go to church every week, but they never, they do, they do something that a saved person would do. They have that, that act of salvation going on, but the act of sal- the real salvation act never took place in their heart. Oh, friends, that's a dangerous thing. That's a dangerous thing. That's, that's a sad thing. I think that's probably one of the saddest verses in the Bible when you really think about it, that there's people that come to church on Sundays, you know, and they come and they go, they come and they go, they come and they go, and one day they die and they miss heaven and they go to hell. They, they had acts of salvation, acts of what a saved person would do, but they never had that salvation act take place in their heart. Maybe their minister didn't tell them the truth of the gospel and, and, and tell them that, hey, you have to repent of your sins and place your faith in Jesus and, and confess him as Lord. That's what you have to do for that salvation act to take place in your heart. That's what must happen for you to miss hell, make heaven. And then, and then the rest of the things, the coming and going to church and acting right, you should do those things, but those things in and of themselves don't save you. Can anybody say amen to this? I hope you hear what it is the Spirit of God saying. Notice in Revelation chapter 3 verse 1. Revelation chapter 3 verse 1. Again talks about people in a church. In a church setting. I want you to listen. Everybody in here listen very carefully to this. Revelation 3 verse 1. And to the angel of the church in Sardis. So... Jesus is writing this letter through the apostle John to this church in Sardis. 
And he says, write this. And notice what he says here. Revelation 3, verse 1. These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Now, now get this. I know your works. Now, what does he say here? You have a name that you are alive, but you are what? Now, there's much we could say about it. But there's one thing that I want to center in on here this morning is that we can have a name that we're alive. We can have a name that we're a Christian. We can call ourselves Christians. We can come to church regularly. We can even serve in the church regularly and do things in the church regularly and so on and so forth and have a name that we're a Christian, have a name that we're alive, but really be what? Be dead. It's possible for people who are not saved to do things that a saved person would do and have a name that they're alive, but they're really dead. Isn't that sad? That almost brings tears to my eyes. I mean, it's sad. And if you look at verse four, he says, you have a few names in Sardis who have not defiled their garments and they shall walk with me in white for they are worthy. See, there was just a few in that church that had really repented of their sins and placed their faith in the Lord Jesus. There were just a few that were really saved. But the rest of them, they had a name that they were a Christian. But he said that they're dead. Paul, the apostle, talks in one place about false brethren. People who had a name that they were Christians, but they weren't. He talks in another, or John talks in another place. He says, in 1 John, he says, he says, they went out from us, but they were not of us. Remember him saying that? They went out from us, but they were not of us. So you see, there can be people that come to church regularly and sit on the pews, sit on the chairs and not be saved and do that for years and years and years and for whatever reason, not be saved. One place that my wife and I have seen this a lot is when uh, a lot of times you'll see where uh, you'll have a young lady that really loves the Lord and is serving the Lord and, 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 and then there's this fella that sees her and really likes her and would like to, you know, marry her one day. But he doesn't love the Lord. But he knows that in order to get her, he's gonna have to, He's going to have to do the salvation act. And I've watched them. I've seen them over the years. And, and I tell you what, they'll, they'll, they'll stop their cussing and they'll stop their this and they'll stop their that. And they'll come to church on Sundays and they'll even volunteer in different areas. And you know how long they do that act? Just long enough until they get that girl and they fool her and they get the ring on. And because it was an act, that young lady within just a short time, why won't you come to church with me anymore? You used to come with me all the time. Well, what was it? It was just an act, a salvation act. 
We need to be watchful of that, don't we? I said we need to be watchful of that, don't we? Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. Just a few more of these and and then we'll close. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 15 verse 1. Very, very sobering message, very interesting message here today. 1 Corinthians 5 verse 1, I'm going to read this in the NIV. There was a man here who was a church member in Corinth, 1 Corinthians 5 verse 1. Evidently he attended the church uh, regularly and as, as I've studied into it a little bit and I can't prove it beyond the shadow of any doubt but evidently this man here was, was not just a church member but, but evidently he held some sort of a position in the, the church but, but that may or may not be but it's clear he attended this church in Corinth regularly and notice what Paul writes and says in verse 1. It is actually reported that there is what? Sexual immorality among you and the kind that does not occur even among pagans or even among sinners, even among the rank heathens. So he said there's something going on here in this church that's not even going on among the heathens, the, the bad sinners. A man has his father's wife. This man, this church member and I need to say this right here, do you know it's possible to be, the, to be a member of a local church and not be a member of what I would call the universal church? You know what I mean by universal church? That's the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's when you repent of your sins, you place your faith in Jesus and, 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 and you get moved into the body of Christ and, and when you become a, a, a Christian and you place your faith in Jesus, you come part of the church universal, you see. But then there's a local church that everybody should be hooked into, that God has a local church for everybody to attend regularly. But it's possible to go to that local church regularly, regularly, like we saw there in Ecclesiastes. People would go to that local church regularly, but they weren't a member of that universal church. They weren't, they weren't really saved, you see. And that's a sad thing. And this guy here, he evidently came to this church in Corinth regularly. He was evidently a part of it. And now he's having sexual relations or even living with his stepmother. Isn't that horrible? That's a horrible thing. And as you read into it, you find out that the leadership of that church, they weren't doing anything about it. They were just letting it go on. Do you know that when people attend this church and they come as visitors and, you know, I want to be welcoming to everybody. I want to love everybody and be welcoming. I don't want to put anybody down. But I've said this for years and I, and I didn't hear anybody else say it. It just, I think it's original with me. I think this one is. But, but you know, I want everybody that comes here to feel welcome. You understand that? But I don't want anybody to feel comfortable until they've repented of their sins and placed their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And, and when we have a minister, whether it, whoever it is, that makes that, that you can attend that church week in and week out, week in and week out, week in and week out, and remain comfortable in sin, whether it be homosexuality, or whether it be drinking and getting drunk, or whether it be gossiping, or whatever the case, if you attend a church and, and, and you can continue on in, in, in you know, living with somebody and you're not married, and, 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 and the, the preaching there doesn't, doesn't it just makes you comfortable in your sin. That's not a church ordained by the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you, did you hear me? And the land has got a lot of them. The United States got a lot. St. Louis got a lot of them. We're here to love people, but I want you to feel welcome. I just don't want you to feel comfortable until you, hey, I'm not so much interested in you becoming a member of the local church. I want you to be a member of that church universal. You understand what I'm talking about? And then we'll welcome you in as a, as a member of the local church. See, see, before you can be a, become a member locally here, I just require one thing, that, we, that, that you've made a decision for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, is that asking too much? And are you always going to act saved? No, we already told you that, right? I don't even always act saved, and I'm the pastor. But it's important that we have a, a relationship with Jesus. You understand? And if you have a relationship with Jesus, you might not clean your act up overnight, but I tell you what, in time, your act will clean up. And it won't be just an act, it'll be a reality of you're in Christ. Do you understand? You okay with what I'm talking about here today? But the leadership was allowing us to go on, and, and this guy's having sexual relations with his stepmother. I mean, this is bizarre. And notice, in, in, in Paul says, hey, you got to deal with this. You gotta put, he said, put this guy out. Turn him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. And, 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 and need, this thing need to be dealt with. And then if you skip down to verse 11, but now I'm writing you that you must not associate with anyone who what? Calls himself a brother. Did you know there's people that call themselves Christians and there's not, but they're really not. We've talked about that. This whole message has been about that. They call themselves a brother, but they're not. They call themselves a Christian, but they're not. They call themselves a sister in Christ, but they're not. Calls himself a brother, but is what? Sexually immoral? Now, notice, you know, the sexual sins get picked on a lot, but you know, there's a lot of other things. Greedy, idolater. What is that? That's when you put anything ahead of Jesus. A slanderer. That has to do with your mouth. We'll come back to that. Drunkard, swindler, drunkard, drink, drunkard, drunkenness, swindler. And then he says, with such a person, don't even what? Don't even eat. Well, that, that eliminates some of the people you can go out to lunch with after church. Do you know on this list here, I've been doing this quite a long time and I still, the more I do this, you know, the more I, the, the further, the more I learn and the more experience I get, I realize how much I yet need to learn, you know? But one thing I have learned over the years in this list here as it pertains to, to people that come to church regularly, you know the, the sexual sins get centered in on and a lot of these other things. But you know one of the, one of the worst areas that, I, that I've observed is in this area of, it says slander here, but in this, in this area of the mouth. Did you know I've watched this 
for years and I've seen it time and again, not every Sunday or not every time, but I've watched this over the years, very aware of this. Do you know that, 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 that you'll have a lot of times, you'll have people that'll sit in a service just like this, listen to the message and they'll go out to lunch right afterward and they'll tear the pastor up one side and down the other. Did you know that? Or they'll talk about a fellow church member and they'll tear him up one side and down the other. Or t- they'll talk badly about somebody in, in, in the, uh, you know, that was serving in a certain area of the church. Did you know, my dear friends, these things should not ought to be? I said they should not ought to be. I said they should not ought to be. Is that right? And, and you know, it's something that my wife and I, we've, we, we've, we've noticed over the many years. And uh, now, is it possible for saved people, they really love the Lord, is it possible for them to go out to a restaurant after the service and not act like a Christian? Yes, it is. Isn't it po- have we shown you that today? Is, is that possible? It is possible. But you know what? If you're really saved, if you're really saved, when you're, when you're not acting like a Christian, guess what? On the inside of you, there's going to be a grieving. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's on the inside. And when you're talking bad about a fellow brother or sister in Christ, you're talking bad about your pastor or whatever, you know, on the inside, there's going to be, oh, did you know that? But you know what? I'm concerned about some of these folks where they can do that Sunday in and Sunday out. They go to the restaurant and just run folk down. Sunday in, Sunday out, Sunday in, Sunday out, and it doesn't bother them. They just keep right on going. But they just came to church. Is it possible to go to church and do act, act like a Christian and not be one? Didn't we just show you that today? And they go Sunday after Sunday. They come and they sit in the church and they sing hallelujah and they raise their hands and, and, and they talk the good Christianese. You know what I mean by that? They put all the hallelujahs in the right place and all the amens in the right place and they do all of that. But yet Sunday in, Sunday out, they come and go from the place of the holy. Sunday in, Sunday out, Sunday in, Sunday out, Sunday in, Sunday out. And they'll go out to the restaurant and they'll sit and they'll talk badly about fellow Christians. I believe that their salvation is just an act and they need to let the act of salvation take place in their heart. I believe when we get to heaven, I believe we're gonna be shocked. I believe we're gonna be shocked at the people that we see there and we say, I didn't. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? What are you doing here? You didn't always act saved down there on the earth. You acted like a real jerk a lot of the time. But they, but they have the act of salvation in their heart. And I believe we're going to be in heaven and we're going to look around and we're going to be looking for some people. And we're not going to be able to find them. But where's so-and-so? Where's so-and-so? 
Where's so-and-so? They came to church every Sunday. They said all the hallelujahs in the right place. They said all the amens in the right place. They did all the, they had all the talk down. They, you know, they, they did, they raised their hand. They did everything, you know. Where are they at? Lord, where are they at? It was just an act. They had a salvation act, but they didn't really outward act but they didn't really have it in their heart so they didn't make heaven did you get anything out of this today boy it's a self it's a, we all ought to test ourselves there's a scripture that says examine yourselves whether you be in the faith don't examine your neighbor or your somebody sitting next to you or your spot you examine yourself We're going to receive communion now. I did want to share this with you, though. Go to Matthew 21, 31 in the Message Bible. Ushers, get ready for communion. We're going to close. But I want you to read read this. I I have this here in the notes. The Lord wanted me to end with this for some reason. Matthew 21, 31 in the Message Bible. Matthew 21, 31. Look at this. Let's see if they can get that up there on the screen. Matthew 21, 31, in the Message Bible. And let's just pick up where it says, he says, yes, and I tell you, Jesus is speaking here, and he says, yes, I tell you that crooks and whores are going to precede you. And who's he talking to? He's talking to the chief priests and the elders when when he says this. Yes, and I tell you that crooks and whores are going to precede you into God's kingdom. Now, if you stop right there, you'd think, well, wow. So God thinks more highly of of those crooks and, and the prostitutes more than these religious people. You have to read the next verse to get the fullness of it. Go to the next verse. And Jesus says, John, John the Baptist came to you, came to these religious leaders Showing you the right road. You turned your noses at him, but the crooks and the whores believed him. Who was John the Baptist pointing people to? To Jesus. He said the crooks, the, the, the whores believed him even when you saw what? Saw their their. So did, when the crooks and the whores came out to hear John, did he just, did he welcome them? Yes. But did he make them feel comfortable? No. And they believed him and their lives changed. That's why they're going to precede these religious people in because see, they believed the preaching of John. They believed, John pointed them to Jesus. They believed on Jesus and they repented, they changed their lives. And then he goes on to say to these religious people, you didn't care enough to change. You didn't care enough to repent and believe. See, the crooks and the whores repented and believed on Jesus, but these religious people, they didn't. So they had an act that they were saved, but the salvation act never took place in their hearts. I don't know, there's just something about this message today we need to take to heart. We need to try to get this message maybe in the hands of people that 
that, that need to hear it. Amen? It'll be on the internet. Stand with me in the presence of God. Go ahead and begin to serve the communion and pass it out. We're going to close with the receiving of communion. So as they're passing out the bread and the juice, it'll be coming by. I want to say this to you. That maybe you're here today and you've, maybe salvation's just kind of been an act with you. It's just, you're doing it because somebody wants, you're coming to church because somebody asked you to come and, oh, I'm so glad you came. But maybe you're just, you know, you're just here and, you know, you're just kind of enduring the service till it's over so you can, look, God loves you. You're here today not by accident. There's a reason that you're here. Maybe some of you, maybe you've attended church for, maybe you've attended church for a long time. But, and it's just been kind of an act. But you've never had the salvation act take place in your heart. But what I want to do as we approach this communion today is I want to just pray a general prayer with this congregation. And, and I want us all to pray it. But if you've never prayed this prayer and you've never really meant it in your heart, you've never asked Jesus into your heart, you need to do that today with a repentant heart. You need to ask him in. He'll come in and he'll save you. And salvation won't just be an outward act anymore after today, but it'll be, a, it'll, it, it'll be an inward, it'll be an inward thing. And then serving God will be fun. And the outward acts will be genuine. Maybe you're here today and there's something not right in your life. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're, most of you that, that I know, you're, you love the Lord, you're, you're Christians. But maybe you haven't always been acting like a Christian. Maybe you've held grudges against people. Maybe you've been in a dispute with somebody. Maybe you've, maybe you've talked bad about somebody. Maybe there's something in your life that should not be there. This is an excellent time for you to repent and ask the Lord to forgive you. Put that thing away, that sin away before you receive this communion. It's important that you do that. So let me lead us in a prayer. And whichever part of it pertains to you, receive it, and pray it, believe it, and it'll be so for you. And I do want to say this to you. If, if you make Jesus your Lord here for the first time today, or maybe you haven't been walking with him and you're just going to get back with him close here today, once I dismiss the service, there'll be people standing right up here in the front. I want to encourage you to come on up here and tell them that you received Jesus. It's important that you tell somebody. It's important that you tell somebody. And somebody said, well, now, uh, who, who can receive this communion? This communion is for people that, that are uh, members of the universal church, that you have Jesus in your heart, you're saved, then you can receive this. You don't have to be a member of this particular local church. This, 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 this that represents his blood and body, it's, uh, it's for you. It's for you to receive if, you, if you're a Christian, okay? So let's pray and then we'll receive this and we'll be dismissed. Say, oh God in heaven, I come to you in Jesus' name. I turn from my old life and I turn to you now. I ask you to come into my heart. Jesus, come into my life. I confess you as my Lord. I believe that God's raised you from the dead. And I receive you as my Savior. Right now, According to your word, I am saved. 
Now, Heavenly Father, for any sin in my life, places where I've missed it, I, I repent and I ask you to forgive me. I'll do better as we move forward. I receive my forgiveness now in Jesus' name. Father, thank you for that which represents the body of Christ. This bread represents his body that was broken for me. By his stripes, I'm healed. No flu for me. I have the power of Jesus, his healing power flowing through my body. And I thank you now for his broken body. Now break and eat. Now say this, Heavenly Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus that washes sin as far away as the east is from the west, never to be remembered again. I thank you that there's power in that blood. Power that saved me. Power that cleanses me when I mess up. We're thankful for the blood. And as we partake of this juice that represents your blood, we do so with a thankful heart, thanking you for what you have done for us and looking forward to your coming in Jesus' name. Now go ahead and receive that juice. The ushers will be passing a receptacle around.